You're listening to The Bunker New York, live on Red Bull Radio. Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. I'm your host, Brian Kasnick, and today my special guest is Black Lauren. He's going to be playing us music throughout the show. We're going to take a break in the middle to chat with him for a while. But right now we're going to get straight into the mix with Black Lauren. You're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio.
Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York here on Red Bull Radio. I'm your host, Brian Kastanik, and today my special guest is Black Lauren. We've been in the mix with him since the top of the show. Thanks a lot for joining us. No problem. Great music, great music. Thank you, thank you. Um, so just, there's, you know, not, you have like no information about yourself that's, online. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so a little bit, just a little bit of uh, basic background. How How did you first get into music in general and then... Uh, or the kind of music that you're into these days. Story always goes back to my mom playing uh, Jean-Michel Jarre in the house when I was uh, a kid, like two, three, four, five years old. So that was my first exposure to electronic music without even really knowing what it was. Right. Even as I got older, I got into high school and like started messing around with samplers. The first records I reached for were those records. Right. So that's that's how I came into electronic music. I started off as a hip hop DJ, got into drum and bass, lived in the UK for a while, right when like grime and dubstep and all the bass music was starting. And then I moved back here, uh, I think maybe the fifth or sixth year of Bunker. And a, right. fr a friend of mine took me to that and I was like, what is this? And then someone was like, it's techno. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, like before I'd always um, been wary of that because at just th at that point the music I my interpretation of techno was just really european really fast really synthy and that's just that's just not where i was at that time right so um when i did find out like you know the stuff that i was listening to was in fact techno and even old records that i liked as a kid like um big fun by inner city like yeah that's a techno record i was like oh okay well right there's stuff to discover here and maybe there's a place for me so that was shortly after you moved to new york when you first came to bunker yeah, I just I just moved back. I'd been home for maybe a couple of years, two, three years at yeah. most. I think I remember first seeing you at, I remember the prosumer party mm -hmm, in the mm -hmm. loft, and you were like the first person through the door. Yep. <laughs> and I was like, who's this? I've never seen this guy before. Who's this guy? All yep, dressed first up. first one. <laughs> um, and then how long after that did the long count cycle start? And I guess for people who don't know, an introduction to what, the long count cycle is a uh, long count cycle is a project with myself and uh dj scallywag um what's the best way to describe it uh i usually say you know music is meditation dance as ritual we keep it really simple it's very much focused on the music and the experience of it and everything that we do and present should be considered as a chapter of a larger story okay and you do your Wait, are you still doing long count cycle events in New York? We, They're not not like you used to. Yeah, like you know, the the climate has definitely changed, and it's harder to do things. Even though you know, um, cabaret has been repealed, and things are supposed to be easier in the city, it's not at least at this point. So we've kind of taken a step back from throwing events. Right now, we're focused on getting in studio, producing music. Um, we've got Fourth World coming up. If there's an artist or an opportunity to do something, we will definitely do it. Right. What What are the challenges? Like, what do you think has changed that has made it harder to put on an event in New York? Money. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's money. Everybody wants wants some money for, you know, some, some half-assness. That's the right. best way I can put it. So, like, artists... Was it that artists you wanted to book wanted no. more than you could pay, or uh, just this is this is a venue situation? Finding the right venue that would be willing to work with us and let us be creative in the way that we've always been isn't as easy as it used to be. Before, you know, we could just find a space and pretty much have license to do whatever we want. Now, 
everybody wants something. Right. Well, mo- I remember the early parties in Bata, and I feel like when you guys were doing the Bata parties and Analog Soul and a lot of other people that are much bigger artists now, like that feels like it was not that it's not a special era at Bata now, but that one seemed especially, I don't know, important. So maybe speak about what it was like being involved in that community. We were expecting to fail by, by the third party. Like, you know, we were, we were really surprised to get that opportunity because the stuff we had been doing before, um, and it wasn't just Zach and myself, it was, uh, you know, a whole collective of us, the stuff we had been doing before just, you know, it was, it was hit or miss. That's the best way to describe it. So when Bossa came along, I went to the opening night and I was like, I think we can do something here. And then I had Zach and another friend of ours, Drew, who is the silent member of, of Long Count, silent and unseen. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had them go to, I had those two go down there, check it out. And um, we got the opportunity and we threw our first party with Anthony Parasol. And it was a good and decent party. You know, it wasn't a flop by far. Like, I was quite surprised by the night. And then John gave us another opportunity, and then another one, and another one, and another one. And by the sixth one, I was like, okay, I, I think we got something here. Right. So, so, yeah, but no, definitely back then, it always felt like really special, you know. That, uh, I'm just I'm just having flashbacks right now. Yeah, I feel like so much that came out of that era is just like really defining what's happening in New York right now. Yeah, definitely. Um, Even myself as a producer, like a lot of the things I learned was being able to go to Bossa and see someone, you know, play their instruments, like be creative in a way that, you know, I don't normally get to see. And, you know, that was very much a big help just creatively and artistically, let alone forming like friendships and building community. Yeah, I mean, I think the community thing is a big... I mean, what was the techno community when Vasa opened? Like, we had the bunker, which, of course, is a community, but beyond that, what was yeah, happening? When, like, it really... When Public Assembly was getting ready to close, I was just like, what now? Because, <laughs> like, I just felt there was, like, just this big void, this big vacuum. I was just like, what's what's going to happen? What, what am I going to do on Friday nights now? Yeah, no, I felt that way for years as we tried to figure that out didn't have the venue options that we have i mean now the venue options in new york are pretty wide open yeah i guess there's but you feel with the challenges do you feel there's some barrier to entry for younger promoters to get in at these venues no i I mean i look around just looking at like my social media fees it's it's all these younger kids that are that are throwing the parties like um you know it's not so much the people that were doing it five years ago, the people that were doing it five years ago are, you know, headlining those, those parties. Yeah. And so, traveling. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think for, for us again, because we're so, we're very, you know, we're very curated. Like every, we focus a lot on, on every aspect of what the event is going to be. And if we can't get everything, then, you know, it doesn't make sense to do it. Cause every time we do something, you know, that next day, that, feeling of gratitude, not just amongst ourselves, but like, you know, when those messages and those DMs start coming in, people are really, really happy with what we've done. Then, yeah, you know, all that effort and headbanging was was worth it. Right. Then what, 
if you want to talk about it, like what happened at the end of the Bossa residency? Why was it just not a good fit anymore? No, not not even that. Uh, that was that was a great time. What happened? That was around 2015. Like we started traveling. We were in Japan. Um, we were still throwing, you know, parties outside on a larger venue. We'd kind of felt that, you know, we grew we grew up. Like Bossa was an amazing stepping stone, and it allowed us to do a lot. And, you know, by, by that point, it was just like, we cannot fit 700 people inside of Vasa. No, you definitely cannot. And that, that, was, that was really it. It was just like, you know, we'd, lo- we'd love Vasa's always home. And, you know, any opportunity to do something there is wonderful. But, you know, if 700 people want to come to a long count party, we want to make sure they all can attend. Right. So just hard to find a space that you like where you can make that happen yeah. financially and otherwise. Yeah. I mean, it is tough out there. Um, you mentioned just in passing going to Japan, but I wanted to talk about that for a bit because you guys, I feel like it was pretty early on. It, I don't know how, how many years it was into the long count cycle when you were invited to go to rural in Japan. Oh, right, right away. We were, we were both surprised. And it, it kind of happened. story behind that, at least for me, was um, I had just left my engineering job. And it was at one of those points where I was just like, either I leave this job now or, you know, I go back to work January 1st, 2015 and be a regular dude, work a nine to five, get the house, the picket fence, the, the whole thing. So it was really, I was really at a crossroads. So, you know, you had asked us to do the podcast for you. Right. Which right, we did. I remember that. And that's really what started the ball rolling. So um, I'm not sure who heard it over there, but people heard it over there and the emails came in. Um, and then we played Bunker for You in March, which was a dream come true for us. Like we had always wanted to play that event uh, as individual artists, and then to get the opportunity to play it collectively was just like wonderful. I don't, I don't know if you remember. Like I invited my parents. Like, yeah, yeah, no, I totally remember that. It was in. You guys were in Bad Room with Analog yeah. Soul, right? Yeah, yeah. I can't remember what was in Good Room that night. Do you remember? I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, it was, it was a special night nonetheless. So after that. Uh, you know, we started going to Japan, you know, meeting people that, you know, we had always admired from afar and just, you know, getting that real techno DJ traveling experience. So that was dope. And then we came back with a bunch of parties to do. I had an EP out on Lost Soul at that time. So, you know, like a lot of things started happening for us really early out the gate. So it was just like a lot of things coming at us and trying to balance and make sense of all that. Well, it's it's great that that much what that happened that soon. That's a that's a good story. That doesn't always happen. No. <laughs> um, maybe speak a little bit about. I know you've been involved with sustained release since the first year, right? Mm-hmm. Like you and Zach were doing mm-hmm. production, and you played, and now you're. Are you guys considered resident DJs of Sustain? At one time, yes. I mean, um, for us, that chapter has ended. Okay. Um, it was, it was a wonderful run and, you know, like nothing, nothing lasts forever. Um, we right now, like, you know, we'd like to, we'd like to play international festivals, like, you know, organic, um, parallel in Spain, like all these other events that are suited to our sound. Yeah. Those would be two perfect ones. Honestly. And, you know, we definitely want to go back to rural labyrinth would be great. You know, like we just, we just want to do other things. I don't want to say bigger things, but, you know, we just want to do other things. And it feels like now is the right time to do it. Yeah. And speaking to that, like the kind of music you play, we were talking off mic earlier. I feel like it's, 
I mean, it's not the only kind of techno I like, but I really like this kind of deep, heady, slower techno <laughs> that feels like it was all the rage in New York, I'd, I guess, like, around the time the Long Count Cycle was starting. Yeah. And it feels like, I wouldn't say that it's not popular, or I don't get a response when I book these DJs, but it doesn't seem like all in all what's happening in New York right now. Or if you've had any thoughts on, like, what changed or... I'm not sure what changed. Everything I played in the first hour, I made. Oh, very cool. I didn't realize that. So um, the reasoning behind that was everything I played was a demo submission I've made in the last year to year and a half. And they're all sitting on somebody's shelf right now. Like planned for release? Or yeah, 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 yeah. All that shit is planned <laughs> for release and it's all sitting on somebody's shelf. And, you know, that shit gets kind of frustrating. So, you know, that was my way of saying like, yo, my shit is dope and it should be out. Whether you want to put it out or not, it's, it's going to happen. And there's no, like, no love loss, no bad blood, no beef, but I'm just going to take the opportunity to do it myself. And I have some things in play, and if they all work out, then that's going to happen, and, you know, the people are going to get this music. Um, I really don't go out much anymore because I feel like, you know, the music has become faster. And like I would said before, like, that was something that always kept me away from it. You know, even though I do understand, like, you know, back in Detroit, you know, mid-90s, late-90s, like, it was that speed. And there's some great records at that tempo. But oh, yeah, and I can enjoy music at that tempo, of course. I can't do 12 hours of it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like, I'm, I'm old. I don't look it, but I'm old. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel like, in at least in my experience going to parties, a lot of events in New York seem to have lost the traditional arc and like you said, Long Count Cycle is really into this storytelling. Yes. And it's just kind of like everybody from 10 o'clock yes. until 6 a.m. or 8 a.m., like everybody plays the headlining set. Nobody, yeah. nobody wants to bring it down at the nope. end. Nobody wants to bring it up. It's nope. just... Nope. And, I, and what's it's funny you say that. Like I remember even a few years ago, like there were so many blog posts and magazine articles about, you know, the importance of the opening DJ and being yeah. a good opening DJ. And those things, like, you know, I, I was, I was the open, when we were doing those Boston parties, I was the opening DJ. And, and, you know, I took that responsibility seriously. Like, you know, these people are coming out on a Friday night. There's so many other things that could, they could be doing. They're coming, you know, to our event. And I want to make sure that from the minute they walk in until the headliner or whoever actually does come up, that they're comfortable and they're ready for it. And, you know, like you said, I've walked into places 9.30, 9.45 sometimes, and it's just whizzle, 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 <laughs> And it's like, oh, okay, cool. Like, weird flex, but okay. Yeah. It's like people want to come in, get their first drink, talk to their friends, yeah, like settle people, in. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not ready to get into it as, as soon as I walk, yeah. walk into the yeah. door. And I think, you know, again, it's not to put down or take away from anyone but you know a lot of these people are younger and i do remember being younger and being like damn wh why can't i play at midnight or like all right well fuck it i know i'm playing first but shit i'm gonna play this and i'm gonna play yeah, that, that like, seems just, that's what happens a lot. just having and, and wanting that but you know like i said having you know older and more experienced djs give me that wisdom not just me personally but again like through articles and blog posts just put that out there you know i, I definitely took heed to that right so well, I was going to ask you about your production, but you've gone over most of what you've worked on or been working on. Were you suggesting that you're going to start a label to put out your own music or? I, I, because I can't give away, I, well, I don't know if I can or can't. I don't want to give away so many details. Um, 
I'm just going to say it's an opportunity. Yeah. Because, I mean, with, however it with what itself. you were saying about being frustrated and waiting on other people, I'm kind of always telling people, why not just do it? I mean, I feel like it's it's a very tough industry right now. It's very hard to even, you know, make your money back on a release, especially if you're doing vinyl. But in a way, all the digital stuff has evened the playing field because it's Definitely. a lot. It's so easy to get your stuff out there and heard on your own platform if you want to do that. Definitely. Um, when my Lost Soul EP came out, what I had done was um, taken all the, I guess, all the tracks that were scrapped. I took those and um, made a release out of that, put it on Bandcamp, put it for free. Um, it did well. Like, I still get an email like, hey, somebody, <laughs> somebody yeah. bought this. So, you know, like, I can, I can definitely do that, but um, I feel I may have more support from... A bigger institution yeah to do. i mean that's and that's the counter argument i know people give me music for the bunker that they could put out themselves but it's like there's a more established bigger platform that can reach more ears so there's a really good argument for that as well um what else should we talk about uh fashion <laughs> fashion seems to be a really important part of your life especially yes. i would say compared to other dudes in the techno scene yeah, I'm um, just wondering, like, where does this come from and why is it important to you? Again, it comes from my mom, like very early on I, as a child, like I didn't understand. And I, you know, it didn't come to me until like as an adult. But the way she would dress me, like the colors, she would dress me and I'd just be like, oh, my God, I hate this. But then <laughs> I would look back at pictures. And I'm like, oh, I'm killing it. can fly. <laughs> Holy shit. Thank you, mom. But, um, you know, like, um. I'm kind. I'm very much introverted. Like um, I still consider myself a shy person, and there got there became a point in my life where, once I started really paying attention to the way that I dressed, I didn't necessarily have to start a conver conversation or break the ice with anyone because they would come and speak to me yeah. based on on what I was wearing, and you know that made it easier. So once I saw and noticed that. I just stuck to it and it, you know, crossed over to pretty much every other area of my life, like taking care and pride into the way I dress. It goes, you know, I make my bed and vacuum every day. Like I wash the goddamn dishes every day. There's laundry to be done at my house and folded and ironed every day. And like, they're not, to me, they're not chores. Like doing them is very therapeutic, very meditative for me. And it kind of gives me like an, in order to my day and everything that I'm doing. And the clothes just, just reflect that. Like, um, I've always felt that, um, you know, who I am on the inside wasn't being reflected on the outside. So that's where, that's where the clothes came in. Yeah. And, um, we're still, we're pretty far into this year and we still haven't gotten the okay to wear shorts. Huh? <laughs> I mean, um, I'm looking at you. Face, I, I knew you were going there. I knew you were going there. All right, let's let's settle this. Shorts. A lot of you are season jumpers. That's that's the name of it. You're season jumpers. It it gets you know 55, 65 degrees, and I understand like it was a hard winter and like shit sucked and there was snow and rain and wind and all that. And you know the first slightly warm day, like you want to celebrate that. I feel you. It's not a fucking shorts day. And this is what I mean by that. Shorts day is from whenever you wake up, no matter what time, doesn't matter, morning, afternoon, night, no matter what time, if you can't put on shorts from the minute you wake up, 
till the next 24 hours, a whole entire 24 hours, it ain't a short stay, my friend. Yeah. Shorts afternoon, shorts morning, maybe shorts hour, but not a shorts day. And, yeah. and that's all that I'm saying. I'm actually, I'm looking out for all of you because I'm just sick and tired of like going outside and seeing people suffer because <laughs> of the weather. And it's like, yo, it's, it's, like, it's 2019. Like you live in an apartment, you have Wi-Fi, a smartphone, like you can check the weather. You know what cold feels like. You know when it's cold. So why would you think like, oh, I'm going to throw these shorts on. Fuck out of here. <laughs> the classic example is just like <laughs> the smoking area outside of a party yeah. at 3 a.m. in May. Yeah. People just... Yeah, shorts, shorts in the fucking flip-flops. <laughs> those, those were, those, that was great at 3 p.m., wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, but that <laughs> now was like... Now it's 3 a.m. <laughs> or, or even sometimes, like, um, you know, I see, I see women walking down the street and they're doing the clinch... <laughs> You know, like, and it's like, oh, come on, sweetie. You knew better. Like, you know, you left the house cute, but now doing the clinch, all that cuteness is gone. All right. Well, with that, we've still got a lot more time here for you to play more music. Are you going to keep playing more of your productions or are you going to play some other stuff now? No, it's, it's time to switch it up. Okay, cool. So looking forward to the second set. We've been in conversation with Black Lauren here and we're going to get into the mix for the rest of the show. You're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio.
Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. We've been in the mix with Black Lauren. Thanks so much for coming in. You're welcome. Playing great music. Um, yeah, that's it. Thanks a lot for listening. This has been The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio.